holidays, but this season of Christmas is actually a 12-day period of time. And I've talked about this before. This is where the song, The 12 Days of Christmas, comes from. And so yesterday was the first day of Christmas. Today is the second day of Christmas. And, uh, and our family, we, we like to keep the tree up. Well, I'm, I like, I don't know if anybody else likes it. I like to keep the tree up a little longer because I think it helps us remember that Christmas is not done when all the presents are opened, right? Which is the way we tend to think about Christmas. And, and some of you may think, why, why does, it doesn't really matter, Doug, what you do or what we, what we do. In reality, 25th of December, that's Christmas. It's behind us. We're all moving forward. Here's why I think it matters, though. Here's why I think it matters for you and for me. Because in a world of rapidly changing headlines, in, in a world of rapidly trending topics, we move on pretty quickly to the next thing, to the next story, to the next headline. Too quickly sometimes, oftentimes. We focus so much on the event of Christmas Day that when it's over, and, and some of you, if you're honest, you felt this yesterday, or if your Christmas celebration is still coming with extended family, you'll feel this when, it's actually, when it actually happens. We, we, we build up, we focus so much on the event of Christmas Day that when it's over, there's almost this sort of letdown, right? There, there was a writer that once said, our society knows how to anticipate an event, but we do not know how to sustain an event. And I like that, and I think it applies to how we think about Christmas. We move on quickly to the next thing, almost too quickly. And, and so today, in an attempt to kind of help us not rush too quickly past Christmas, we're going to this year stay again in the Christmas story in Luke chapter 2 and invite you to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. It'll also be up here on the screen. Over the last four weeks, we have been looking at Christmas songs from Luke chapter 1 and Luke chapter 2, the song of Mary, the song of Zechariah, the song of the angel choir, the song of Simeon last Sunday. Those are the most popular four songs on Luke's Christmas album. But I, I mentioned to you last week that my friend Matt Pugh and I from over at Country Bible Church, we prepare this sermon series together each year. And in our study and thinking about the calendar, we're like, well, December 26th falls right after Christmas Day. It doesn't make sense to start something new on December the 26th. So we started looking at Luke chapter 1 and 2, and we, we found a hidden song on Luke's Christmas album, a bonus track, you might say, which is why I've titled this sermon Bonus Track. And today we're going to be looking at that song, the song of Anna, the prophet from Luke chapter 2. And when we pick up in Luke 2, Jesus' parents, Mary and Joseph, are on their way to the temple. I'm actually going to begin reading in Luke 2 something that I read last week. So if you were here last week or you watched online last week, this will be familiar to you. But I want to read this in order to kind of set up why Joseph and Mary are here at the temple in this story. Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 22, Luke says this. He says, when the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him, Jesus, to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. So I'll just stop right there. You can leave that next slide up there. But Joseph and Mary have gone to the temple because this is a part of what Jewish families did after the birth of a child. There are some purification rites that Mary has to go through as the one who delivered the child, and there's some 
some pro- a process that takes place, especially for the firstborn male of a family that Mary and Joseph have to do to present Jesus there at the temple. And so that's why they're there. Last week, we looked at the story, which is the next verse, about Simeon, an old man who, who was waiting for the Messiah. And so we talked talk about his story and his song. But this, this next story happens right after that. This is what Luke tells us. He says, there was a prophet, also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband for seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left, next slide, she never left the temple, but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, coming up to Joseph and Mary, she gave thanks to God, that's her song, and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Israel, of Jerusalem, excuse me. In the story we looked at last week, a man named Simeon is in the temple. And Luke tells us at the very same time that Simeon is there, Anna is there with him. Her story, interestingly enough, is just three verses long. But we know quite a few things about her. She's a prophet. Like Simeon, she's lived a long life. She's at least 84 years old. Luke's wording there is a little bit tricky, and a lot of people debate about how old she actually was. But she's at least 84, maybe older. She was married for seven years and then widowed for the rest of her life. And she was faithful, faithful to, to attend all the services in the temple and spent much of her time, Luke tells us, in fasting and in prayer. She would have been known, and I think this is an important detail about Anna's life, because of how much time she spent at the temple, she would have been known by people at the temple, which is especially important in light of what Luke tells us that she did after she sees Jesus there with Joseph and Mary. She would have been known by everybody in the temple because she was there all the time. So this is not some obscure, random person that we're talking about. This is someone that people knew, someone that people respected. This is someone who was a spiritual leader of that community. This is someone that was likely trusted, trusted by people that had someone who had wisdom, who had experience, who had value and added value to the community and had a word for people in moments of difficulty or struggle. And Luke says that Anna approaches Joseph and Mary and she does two things. She offers thanks to God, which is what worship is, offering thanks to God. And this is her song. Like Simeon that we looked at last week, she's been waiting. So she sees Jesus and she begins to praise God because she's seen Jesus with her eyes. Her wait for the Savior of the world is over. And of course, there are a lot of Jews in that time that were waiting, that were hoping. And because, Luke, because of this, Luke tells us that the second thing that she did was that she told everyone. This is why I think it's important that we know that she's not a random, obscure person. She has relationships in, their, in the community there. She knows people. People know her. So for her, her word carries weight. And so she tells everybody around her that was looking forward to the redemption of Israel, the, the redemption of Jerusalem about this child. And there are other people that are wondering, how long, God? How long will we wait? Where are you? We've been waiting for hundreds of years, right? You've heard me say before, you've heard other people say before that from the end of the Old Testament to the beginning of the New Testament and the story of Jesus, there's a period of about 400 years that passes where Jews are waiting, wondering, is God going to do what God said that God would do? And so she begins to say, hey, everyone, come. Come close, look, listen, come here, 
Look at this child. You who have been hoping, you who have been waiting for the redemption of Israel, this is it. This is the little baby. This baby is the redemption that you've been waiting for, that you've been hoping for. He is here. And and this morning, what I want to acknowledge is that you may not be there today, but you have been or you will be in the future. In that place of waiting, in that place of longing, in that place of wondering. All of us have these moments or will have these moments. And when you're in a season of waiting, honestly, how hard is it to not give up when you're waiting for something? Guys, I'm getting a little bit of feedback that I'm, that's continuing, so I want to let you know that. When you're waiting for something, how hard is it to not give up hope when things aren't working out the way that you planned for them to work out? Or, thing, or not working out the way that you imagined for them to work out? How hard is it to not give up when you're waiting on an answer that doesn't come? You're waiting on an outcome that doesn't come. When you're wrestling with your thoughts, you have questions, you have doubts. It feels impossible at times. And Anna knows how you feel. And Luke, I think, wants us to see ourselves in Anna's story. She's been waiting for this moment like Simeon. And like generations of Jews before her, they have been waiting centuries. Just think about some of the things that you and I wait for. And now imagine waiting for it your entire life. Jews have been waiting centuries. Just let it sink in for a minute. They've waited hundreds of years for God to act. And in the midst of that, here is Anna. Luke tells us that she's faithful. She is the song that we just sang. She she has waited for God to act her entire life. And Luke tells us that she just keeps showing up to the temple. She's steady. She's faithful. She never has given up hope that we at least understand from the story that we have here in Luke 2. Anna's life and her song, her praise to God, remind me of a psalm that she would have known well. Psalm 13. I don't know if you remember Psalm 13. It's one of my favorite psalms. In Psalm 13, David says these words. He begins with these words. He says, how long, O Lord? And when I read Psalm 13, I imagine it almost like screaming at the sky. How long, O Lord? Will you forget me forever? How long must I, will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me. Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. That's the beginning of Psalm 13. This honest wrestling, this acknowledgement that that we have been waiting, that David has been waiting, that Anna has been waiting for God to act, God to do something. And you and I have experienced this same thing. But David concludes Psalm 13 with this statement, that in the midst of his wrestling, in the midst of his waiting, in the the midst of his wondering when God is going to do what God has promised to do, he says, but even though I'm asking how long, O Lord, Even though I'm wondering how long I'm going to have to wrestle with my thoughts, and even though I don't know yet what the outcome is going to be, but I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise, for God 
has been good to me. Thank you. This is one of Israel's songs, church. Think about this. This is one of Israel's songs. This is a song that Anna would have known. This is a song that the people that Anna ran to tell about this baby king would have known. This song. They know what it feels like for things to not go like they planned. They know what it feels like to wait for God to answer. To wait for God to act. But as Anna stands there in the temple that day, she praises God because her waiting has ended. She's seen the baby and she wants to tell everybody that she can that Jesus has arrived, that the redemption of Israel is underway. And last Sunday when we were looking at Simeon's song, I'm not going to re-preach that sermon, but I want to just remind you that in the verses right before Anna's story, I mentioned that one of the things we learned from Simeon is that Advent is about waiting. Several of the songs today picked up on this theme, that we are waiting for the redemption of the world. Advent is about waiting. In Simeon's case that we looked at last week, he was waiting for the Messiah, had been waiting for years, and yet he continued to believe that God would come through on the promise. And I said last week that Simeon, I think, is an example of what it looks like to wait faithfully for something. And I want to add Anna to that group of someone who is what it looks like to wait faithfully for something, to trust God while you wait. And we need that message that sometimes the action that God wants from you is not to do anything but to wait. Even though waiting may not be your best thing, your top priority, something that you're good at, it may be the action that God wants from you. And I think we, we see Anna as another person like Simeon who is a picture of what it looks like to wait faithfully for something, to keep showing up, to keep being steady, to keep being consistent. But I also think that we see something else in Anna's story. We learn a slightly different lesson from her as well, and that is this, that waiting leads to arrival. This, I think, is the good news of Anna's story, that waiting does not always end in waiting. Sometimes waiting leads to arrival. In Anna's case, waiting led to the arrival of Jesus. But in your case, it might be that waiting can lead to a, a, the arrival of greater understanding. You wait for something, you wait for an answer, and later, after you've waited a period of time, you understand something that you didn't understand initially. Right now, things seem one way. But waiting on God might lead to the arrival of greater wisdom, greater insight, some perspective, we might call it, as you look back on that period that you had to wait for God to act. Waiting might lead, in your case, to the arrival of peace. You don't feel peace right now, or maybe if you're, not, if you're in a place right now in your life where you feel peace and you experience something in the future, you may not feel peace in that moment, but after you have waited a while and God has shown himself to be faithful, you'll see that waiting led to the arrival of peace that was promised as a follower of Jesus Christ, as a fruit that comes from the Spirit. Waiting might lead to the arrival of growth. I believe that we grow primarily by suffering. That's not something that like everybody wants to hear, but I think it's the honest truth. The primary way we grow is through hardship, through difficulty, through struggle, through suffering. And when you are going through something, it requires you to wait. 
and that waiting on the other side, if we have the ability to reflect upon it, we will see that it led to a period of growth, of spiritual growth in our lives because we went through something hard. We went through the fire instead of around it. Waiting, in your case, might lead to the arrival of healing. You feel grief, you feel sadness, you feel sorrow right now, and a period of time is going to pass that you and I can do nothing about. All we can do is wait. That is the action that we can take. And the slow work of God will bring about healing as we wait. It might bring about the arrival of redemption, of redeeming a difficult situation. Right? These are just a few examples. And maybe some of you have experienced this to be true in your life, that if you wait on God to act, things will actually turn out better than they would had you tried to fix things on your own. Christ has come and his life and death and resurrection change everything for us. You, you may, some of you may wonder, why do we revisit the Christmas story, the, the story of Jesus' birth every single year? Surely Doug can't find four more sermons for Advent this year again, right? Every year we re revisit this Christmas story and this is why we do it. We do it because we need the reminder of what God did in coming to earth in Christ. We need to be reminded that what Jesus' arrival into the world means is that some of our waiting is over. It isn't that God was with us, but it is that God is with us. And what I'm saying is that for Anna and Simeon that day in the temple, when they saw Jesus, their, their witnessing of Jesus' arrival is also our experience that Jesus has arrived, right? Their waiting led to our being able to experience God with us. And Jesus' arrival for us means that peace and understanding and healing and salvation and redemption, the things I just spoke about, are also available for us now. We don't have to wait for healing later. We don't have to wait for salvation later. We don't have to wait for, you know, we're not waiting indefinitely for some unknown outcome. We have received all sorts of blessings from Christ already. Our waiting for those things is over. So we've already experienced that part of, of the promise of Christ coming to earth. But notice that I said in some ways our waiting is over. It might sound crazy to think about it, but hear me out. Christ's birth did not restore all things. It was the beginning of the story. It was the inauguration of the story. It set things in motion. But it did, not, it did not restore all things. You needed more to the story. You needed Good Friday. You needed Easter Sunday. You needed the sending of the Holy Spirit to really get about what God was trying to do. In Israel's case, they waited 400 years for deliverance from slavery. And then later they were exiles in Assyria and Babylon. Then even when they returned to Israel, they lived under Greek and Roman occupation. And in the same way, church, what, what I want us to see from this story, this Christmas story, is that we, we have received Christ. He is here with us and all the blessings that come from that. And yet we are still waiting because Christ's birth didn't fix everything. Christians have been waiting for 2,000 years for Jesus to return. And I just want to, I just want you to be honest with yourself this morning. However and whenever the return of Christ happens, 
2,000 years of waiting is a long time to wait for anything. 2,000 years to wait for God to return. And while we have true peace, we have salvation, we have the hope of what is to come, we also realize that things aren't complete, right? They aren't finished. We still experience death and loss and hate. We still experience pain and failure and sin in all of its forms. There are still wars and there's still oppression and suffering of all kinds. Jesus' first arrival sets things in motion, but they won't be completed until his second arrival. And we're living here now in between these two advents. So in the same way that Jews were waiting and longing for their Messiah, we wait for Christ's arrival, which will restore the world, which will redeem not only Israel, but will redeem the world. Century after century, we've been waiting as we think about applying Anna's story to our life, what we know is that it would be easy to give up hope. There are a lot of human beings that have chosen this option. They know the story of Jesus, but they've given up hope of waiting for, for Christ's return. It's been so long, people say. There's no evidence that God is still working in our world, people say. Or God isn't working in the ways that God used to work, someone might say. And the truth is that in some ways it can be hard as you look at the world to, to see how God is at work. So there's some truth to some of that. It, and it has been long, so there's some truth to some of that. And the wait has left many of us, many Christians, us in this room and Christians around the world, wondering with David, how long, O oh Lord, will you forget me forever? It's been 2,000 years after all. And in some seasons of our lives, we can also ask these same questions. We can acknowledge that it's hard to see God working. And what I want us to hear this morning from Anna's story, and even from Simeon's story, is that their wait was worth it. Because waiting led to arrival. They had waited their entire lives for this moment. And that arrival meant salvation. That arrival meant redemption. They will be saved and redeemed, just not in the way that they expected. They will eventually die, but get this, Jesus, the baby that they're, gonna, that they're holding in their arms, they're seeing with their eyes, is going to bring them back to life, going to resurrect them too, along with others. It meant life for them. Their waiting was worth it in the end, and in our lives, I want us to see like them that our waiting will be worth it too. That our waiting will always lead to arrival in Christ. It might not mean that you get the answer to the thing that you're actually waiting for, but in Christ, what you really need, you will receive. Some of us may wait for things our entire lives and never receive them. Some of you may not experience the arrival of the thing that you're waiting for. But what Anna's story, what her brief song, which we don't know the lyrics to, we just know that she praised God. And maybe it was an amen. So be it. I agree. Maybe it was an acknowledgement that God had done what God said that God would do. But what her story and her song teach us and remind us of is that Jesus came once. And that gives us the assurance, which is a little different than hope. The assurance that he will come back again. Jesus said to his followers, 
I will come back in the same way that you are seeing me go. And when he does come back, Jesus will make everything new. And I would love to see that in my lifetime. But if it doesn't happen, I am committed, and I want you to be committed to continue to wait faithfully like Anna, looking forward to the redemption of the entire world, living with expectation that God will do what God says that God will do. I know I, I mentioned a minute ago this psalm, Psalm, psalm 13, and I, and I highlighted a little bit at the end. I don't know if you caught exactly how it ended, but I want to I wanna just close this morning with this. The psalm starts with this question, how long, O Lord? And it ends again, hear these words in this statement, but I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. While we wait, this is our song. This is our song. This is your Christmas song. We will trust in, our, in your unfailing love, God. Our hearts will rejoice in your salvation. We will sing your praise because you've been good to us. No matter, if we get the thing that we're waiting for if, or if we don't, you have been good to us. You have been good to us because we know for sure that our waiting for God to return will not end in waiting. It will end in arrival. Jesus is coming back. And it is important for us to live like we believe that he's coming back and to not fall into the easy, I fall into, we fall into this easy pattern of thinking that just whatever we're doing in life, the next thing, just slugging it out day after day after day, right? Working and family and kids and whatever it is that you do with your daytime hours, that that's what life is about. And I think what these stories teach us is that that's not what it's about. That's what we do, a lot of what we do with our time, but that it's important that we also are always sort of looking and anticipating and waiting for his return and living like we believe that our waiting will end in arrival. God is here with us. Christ has come and Christ is here with us and our God is coming again. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, we're thankful. We're thankful for these songs from Luke 1 and 2 that remind us of the significance of you coming to the world to be with us. And we're thankful, Father, that not only that you came, but that you're here with us and that your coming to earth points our eyes ahead, points our hearts ahead to what is to come. When you will make all things new, we pray, Father, that we as your people will live believing, live with anticipation that our waiting will end in arrival, that you are going to come back, and that we'll live like Anna, telling everyone that we know about the good news that you've come to earth, living our lives on mission, reminding people about what's most important, and looking forward to that day. We're thankful, Father, for your life for your death and for your resurrection that gives us the assurance that that day will come to pass. And we pray through Jesus, our brother, our savior, and our friend. And the church said, amen. Let's stand together this morning and sing.